This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Kirsten Longbottom, and we're joined here today by EPFR's resident economist, Cameron Brandt. We'll walk you through what our teams were monitoring last week and the data that EPFR tracks, as well as what we'll look for in the upcoming weeks. Cam, good morning. What do we have going on this weekend? Anything? Um, are you talking about the global economy or me? <laughs> you, you. <laughs> me. Um, I, I'm going to head up uh, to the Lakes region of New Hampshire. So, uh, oh, another fishing trip. Uh, catch up uh, with family and friends. Uh, Good. So, uh, I will probably try and slip away, but this isn't uh, first and foremost a fishing trip. Of course. And you. Um, not too much this weekend. Um, we did get some paddle boards, so gonna go out paddle boarding for sure. That's that's our plan. So no, so no drought constraints in your neck of the woods. Not yet, no. <laughs> Um, So for on the economy side, uh, last week we talked about how the headwinds like the Russia-Ukraine conflict, um, drought weighing on transportation, agriculture, energy, um, COVID cases and inflation remaining elevated have all been leading to this broad thinking that those add up to slowed or halted economic growth. There, from my understanding, there have been some mixed opinions. Some argue that there's no clear signs of a recession in the U.S. to begin with. Some highlight how the GDP fell less than expected in the second quarter, which pushed the idea of a recession in the U.S. completely away. While the U.S. or maybe not completely, while the U.S. Fed Reserve had some hawkish remarks ensuing, some worry that we may jump another 75 basis points in the upcoming month. In our data this week, we also saw inflation-protected bond funds brought an end to a long outflow streak. What's your view on a recession in the U.S.? Do you think it's likely, unlikely, and how will the 75 basis point hike take to markets if it happens? Well, my impression from this past week is that the Fed – would like us to think that uh, sort of the r- risks of recession are higher than some people in the market uh, are predicting, uh, and, and obviously, it, you know, it doesn't suit their uh, current goal of getting inflation under control as quickly as possible. Um, if uh, at the first sort of signs of things improving, people say, "Oh, it's all over," we'll be uh, and start spending. Um, you know, they also now have to factor in uh, the uh, the spending bill that uh, the Biden administration got through uh, the legislature. Um, uh, again, there's debate on this, but my sense is that uh, that's certainly going to do nothing to bring inflation down and may well nudge it up. Um, so... Um, <laughs> in some senses, I think the Fed's being the adult in the room. Uh, it's trying to point out that uh, 
you know, if if people don't, they take inflation seriously and and, and uh, assume it'll be over. Uh, the first bite of higher interest rates, uh, it could actually end up being with us at these levels longer than they expect. And certainly, you know, what our fund flow showed was that uh, people took the hint uh, and sort of re- re- certainly kicked the tires on the assumption that uh, the in aggregate, the recent headwinds we've been seeing, you know, some of which have been with us for a while now, will add up to. Uh, a much slower or even negative pace of economic growth, which will bring down inflation and uh, lead the Fed and other major central banks to to ease back and even start cutting rates again, uh, ergo uh, asset prices will be likely to rise. Where where else did we see this taking effect in terms of EPFR track data, in terms of fund flows? This past week, it was pretty broad based, and and in much the same way, people haven't kind of I think gone overboard in starting to build exposure to what they hope is the next leg of the of a, a long running bull market. Uh, they didn't sort of go overboard in terms of bailing back out. Uh, you know, I would say with the exception of, of high yield bond funds and maybe technology sector funds. We didn't see any group, you know, hit out of the park in terms of redemptions. Uh, you know, the same. Uh, by the same token, uh, outside of financial sector funds, uh, there really wasn't much for any major group to sort of pop the champagne corks about. Right. Well, while we're on that subject uh, for sector funds this week, we saw financial sector funds pull in uh, $2.15 billion, and then tech saw a $1.3 billion outflow, both guided by um, funds dedicated to the U.S. and institutional flows. Interest also picked up for utilities, while industrials and consumer goods fell into negative territory. How are earnings, monetary policy, um, and consumer spending influencing flows in the sector space? You starting with financials, which did see over two billion come in. Um, certainly, I think there there's a sense that that sector was oversold. Um, it's nothing if not resilient historically. Uh, uh, and is likely to find a path to profitability. Um, furthermore, so, you know, even though the uh, slower economic growth is obviously not inherently good for financial institutions, there's certainly ways around it. And for the moment, uh, as as many uh, of our colleagues have noticed. Uh, the uh, recent Fed rate hikes have not been sort of passed on to savings accounts and CDs, so um, sort of a core source of bread and butter earnings is definitely more profitable, uh, certainly for those that have re- retail businesses. Uh, it's also true for those that sort of you know have some sense of history of the sector that. Um, when we run into sort of a, a sticky period for economic growth, uh, companies anxious to sort of maintain profit levels will look to buy growth. Um, and they, as a result of, of uh, 
you know, the interest rate trends in recent years, a lot of them have pretty fat war chests. Um, Raising capital also, you know, despite the higher rates, still doesn't seem to be tremendously daunting. So, uh, while nominal monetary uh, conditions are, are, are tightening, sort of real ones are still somewhat behind. Interesting. So, something we haven't discussed on here in a while, um, bear funds, which aim to profit from falling markets, has attracted attention since mid-June. Want to give our listeners a bit of insight on these funds as well as leverage funds? Well, uh, you know, that is obviously a group, those two groups you mentioned are ones um, that, you know, we periodically take a look at to sort of, you know, see um, what's going on in the areas of highest conviction. Uh, the ones that we mentioned in this week's reports were the ones in those two groups that uh, look to sort of multiply uh, frequently through borrowed money. Uh the investment goal by three times. Um, so, you know, somebody investing in a, uh, a, a, a three times bear fund um, ha- has a high conviction that, uh, you know, we are, are in for more pain. Um, and those so those funds have seen a surge in flows recently, whereas, you know, your conventional leveraged equity funds, um uh, flows there have have tapered off. They haven't cratered, which you know is consistent with the view that uh, people think that the worst may be over, but there there's a limit to how aggressively they're willing to bet on that. Interesting. Um, and the last one we'll leave it off with. Um, we talked about the dynamic of Japan, China, and Taiwan last week, uh, but what about Thailand? How does that that country play a role? Well, Thailand uh, is very much, um, its economy is very much influenced by the the rhythms of China's economy. Um, uh, Thailand is a a noted tourist destination, and in recent years, increasingly, uh, the tourists with the biggest wallets were coming from China rather than the sort of package tours from Europe. Um, and both because of China's aggressive COVID policy and because, uh, you know, economic growth there is not uh, as rosy as it has been, uh, you know, hopes that that key driver of the Thai economy uh, uh, is going to pick up steam again or, or consistently being dashed. Uh, Thailand is also interesting in that it is an offshoring uh, play, but it's more of an offshoring play for Japanese firms. Um, um, So, you know, I've actually been expecting uh, funds dedicated to it to fare uh, somewhat better than they have, because in, in the longer term, there's no doubt that a lot of major global businesses are sort of revisiting their supply chains and where to base them. Um, and, uh, you know, Thailand has a proven track record in that, that particular arena. Great. Well, thank you for your insight, Cam. Good. All right. Uh, stay on your paddleboard. <laughs> I'll try my best. Something, something I have spectacularly failed to do on the rare <laughs> 
I've been lured onto one. So, yeah. Yeah. so we'll, we'll look forward. I mean, one of the advantages of podcasts is they won't be able to see any bumps and bruises on you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll give an update next week. <laughs> yeah. All right. Enjoy the weekend. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast. 